0: God, we give you thanks for your living and active word. Thank you that you still use it to form and shape us to change hearts and lives for all of eternity. We pray toward that end this morning, Lord. Would you mold us and shape us uh, into your son, Jesus? We need your help to do that. And so we pray for it today. God, we love you. We thank you so much that you loved us first. We pray these things in Jesus' name and by your spirit. Amen. You may have a seat, church family. Well, who here would like to hear some good news? I am here to deliver good news. Many of you have been praying for months uh, that we would be able to sign a lease to stay here at the barn for the next two years. Uh, You may remember that Donnie sold this property uh, to the county early this year, and we have essentially been functioning as squatters uh, for quite a while now, which... Concerned us, it made us a little nervous, uh, but we don't need to be nervous any longer because as of Friday last week, we signed our two year lease. Yes. We continue to pray that God would move in a mighty way as we save up for our down payment on the six and a half acres of land right over my right uh, shoulder. We're expectant that God's going to do great things. He already has. I pray that He will continue to for His name's sake. Well, at this time, I want to dismiss our children uh, to CP Kids. You have my permission to leave. Wonderful. You will be missed, kids. Uh, Parents and church family, I don't know about you, but when I see these uh, kids walking out the back each Sunday, I remember in my own heart and in my own life the way that God used teachers uh, to form and shape Jesus in me, to show me uh, the beauty of Jesus. We never know when it's going to happen. It can happen in a moment. It can happen when we open up the word and and we hear a verse. It can happen when a teacher who knows us and loves us comes alongside of us and speaks something into our heart that God uses uh, to firmly plant in our hearts that he causes to grow and we're changed forever. And so I pray that when you see these kids on Sunday morning, that you are praying that God's spirit uh, would captivate their hearts and do a good work uh, in them. Well, I first met our speaker this morning at Cabo Fish Taco in April of 2018. Uh, Al Newell thought that I might enjoy hanging out with another local church pastor, and of course, Al was right. Uh, Since that time, Keith and I have graduated from lunch to breakfast. We'll have breakfast together. I will order the avocado toast. Keith will do his best not to laugh at me in front of the server, and then he will proceed to order what a normal man eats for breakfast. I know, it's hard to believe. I I will say in my defense, even though there is no defense, recently I asked Keith uh, if he would rank the four number one seeds in the cereal tournament challenge, and he gave Honey Smacks a number one seed. That's questionable. It's questionable. It's questionable, but again, this is coming from the man who orders avocado toast for breakfast. Uh, Keith is married to Jamoke, which is somewhat surprising considering his first move was to give her his email address. I repeat, his email address, which was also somewhat surprising because it was not 1990 when he did it. Now, before you question this decision, you should know that they have been married for almost 11 years and have two beautiful daughters, Aaliyah and Avery. Uh, Keith is the campus pastor at Eastland Forest Hill Church. And when I say he is a pastor, I mean he is the kind of pastor uh, who sits across the table from you and asks how you're doing and actually cares about your response. Uh, He is the kind of pastor that will follow up with you a month or two after and say, hey, how's it going? Remember when we talked about that? How are you doing? Uh, Keith listens and loves and leads well. He's that kind of pastor. In his letter to the scattered church, the apostle Peter wrote, shepherd the flock of God among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but voluntarily According to the will of God, and not for sordid gain, but with eagerness, nor yet as lording it over those allotted to your charge, but proving to be examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Uh, Keith is that kind of pastor. I'm honored to call Keith a friend. We're honored to have him uh, bring the word this morning. Uh, would you please give Keith and his uh, family a warm Christ Point welcome?
1: Good morning, Christ Point Church. It's a great joy and honor to be with you all this morning. Um, I've enjoyed getting to know your pastor Uh, But he left one thing out about his breakfast order. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, Not only does he order avocado toast, but then he also asked for a special slice of tomato to be placed on top of his toast. Then with his fruit, he only wants berries, no melons. Your pastor's not a melon guy. Uh, (laughs) And so the first time he ordered it, I told him, I said, James, you know I'm going to make fun of you, Right. And uh, me being a man of integrity, want to do that with you all this morning. Uh, Not only have I enjoyed uh, spending time with you, James, I am honored that you invited me here today, and I appreciate your words. Uh, Christ Point Church, I want to say something that I imagine is obvious, but it's important for you to know that your pastor loves you. I want that just to sit here for a moment. I trust I'm speaking the obvious, but it's important that you know that James loves this church. It was about a year ago, we were talking, sharing stories, and I was telling him about how I grew up in a military household, so we moved a lot, and as I'm still somewhat early in my kind of pastoral ministry, wondering what God might have for him, maybe he'll bounce me around, maybe we'll end up moving across the country, who knows? And as he put his avocado toast down, he looked at me and says, God, I I hope that's not my story. Respectfully, I hope that's not my story. He says something, I'm paraphrasing just a bit here. He says, I want to marry these people. I want to bury these people and then be buried by these people. It's important that you know that your pastor dearly and deeply loves you. It's very reminiscent of Uh, the author of the letter which we are going to read today. Uh, The Apostle Paul is writing to a church in Colossae, and he loves this church. He has a deep love for this church. His love for them is evidence in how he greets them and how he speaks to them. Not only does he share of his love, but he also even shares why he loves them. Colossians 1, verses 3 and 4, he says this. He says, We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, When we pray for you, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all the saints. We always thank God for you. We are constantly praying. We thank God for a couple of reasons. One, we've heard of your faith. But word has also gotten to us of your love for all the saints. As a church that has a value of relationships, I imagine words like this resonate well here. A church that believes because we are loved by God, we have been set free to love others. I have to imagine this resonates well here. Paul continues. uh, He speaks of his struggles. He speaks of his challenges. He actually rejoices in them for the sake of the church, for the sake of God's kingdom. And he speaks of it, and he, he says this in Colossians 2, verses 1 and 2. He says, for I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you and for those at Laodicea and for all who have not seen me face to face, that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love to reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ. I love this imagery here that their hearts may be encouraged being knit together. Again, as a church who has as one of your core values to point people to Jesus by way of authentic community, I have to imagine Paul's words here resonate. And my guess is that this entire word of his, this letter, resonates. You see, Paul doesn't just spend the rest of this letter affirming the church He also takes some time to warn the church. In addition to affirming their love, their community, what they have, he has to warn them from what he's heard. You see, word has gotten to Paul that there are threats that are threatening the vitality and health of the church. There are outside pressures and forces, this false teaching and these practices that are not consistent with the way of Jesus that are making their way and infiltrating the health of the church. We see, for Paul, it wasn't that he just heard word about threats coming from outside. He also heard word of threats from the inside as well. Paul, serving as somewhat of a senior official, is compelled to protect the church from enemies, both foreign and domestic. You see, their threats aren't just coming from the outside, but the enemy was working from the inside as well. And Paul, in his great love for them, begins to speak to that in chapter 3 of our passage today. He does so by using an illustration of clothing. He talks about the things in which they are to take off, the things that are not good for their well-being. In addition to that, he is speaking to what they are to put on. This is not, this is not the armor of God, but I've come to think of it as the armor of the people of God, a sort of church uniform. And he is speaking to that which they are to wear for the well-being of themselves and for the body of Christ, for the church. Paul understands that one of the tactics of the enemy is to cause dissension and fracture relationships and hopes of dividing and conquering. He understands that the enemy is not content from solely tacking from afar, but also tacking from within. And his hope and my hope today is that we, would dress for success. Lord willing, we'll get there as we look at a passage from Colossians 3, verses 12 through 14. Uh, if you want to meet me there, please do so. Just prior to these verses, though, the Apostle Paul reminds the church what is at stake, what they are defending. He says this in verse 11 He says, Here there is not Greek and Jew circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. This is the beautiful united people of God, the church. This is what's at stake. And with that in mind, he says this in the very next verse, verse 12. He says, put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, Compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive one another. And above all of these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. Lord, this morning, I just want to say thank you again for this time and this place to be in your presence. I thank you for your word. I thank you for your spirit that helps us understand it. Have your way today. I pray this in your name. Amen. Paul begins verse 12 um, with a list of virtues that are to act as a counterpart to all the things that he tells the church they're supposed to take off, to do away with. He warns them to do away with anger and wrath and malice and different things. And these virtues, these um, components of this uniform are virtues that are to counteract those things. But before naming them, he first wants to remind them of their identity. He says as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, I don't know about you, but it's easy to read passages like this and only take them in their literal context, thinking that this is how God feels about that church, which is true. But this is how God feels about his church. This is how God feels about this church. Christ's point, you are God's chosen ones. You are holy. You are set apart. You are dearly loved by God. And because of that, there is a special uniform that we are to wear for one another. And this is a a uniform that we are to regularly be wearing. Um, You probably, like me, have had an event, gone somewhere, maybe a party or something, hanging out with a bunch of people. Uh, Then the next day, you're like, hey, I just need to run to the gas station real quick. Um, I'm just going to put on what I wore yesterday, right? And so you just real quick throw it back on, you pull up to the gas station, and not only do you see everyone you've ever met in your life, but you see everyone that you saw the day before, right? And like whether they say it or not, you know they're thinking, didn't he wear that yesterday? He's always wearing that outfit. In many ways, Paul is saying the same should be true of us, that we should always be caught wearing compassionate hearts, kindness, meekness, humility, But the reality is we often pull other things out of our closet. Instead of compassionate hearts and kindness, we often put on judgmental hearts and anger. Instead of humility and meekness, we are often found out of pride, consuming spaces with our arrogance and brashness. And when I say we, allow me to be just as clear as I believe Paul is. He is speaking of the church then and the church today. This is true of us, the chosen ones. And again, one of the tactics of the enemy is to fracture relationships. And if we're not kind to one another, if we're judgmental to one another, that's a great way for us to do that, for him to do that, to come in to divide and conquer. But I've got good news. There is hope for us. There's a bit of a safety net found in the very next verse. Paul says that we are to be bearing with one another, and if one has complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. Uh, to bear with someone, to, uh, to tolerate, to put up with, to endure is what it means to bear and that we are called to do that with one another. And this is just a reminder for me whenever I read this, that there are people in this world, in our church, in my church, who at moments, if not regularly, have to bear with me. But what Scripture says is that we are to bear with one another. And yes, there are some things that are easier to bear with than others, right? Sitting with a guy ordering avocado toast. Yes, I can bear with that, right? But there are some challenges that make it harder. And I see what soft often happens is instead of bearing with one another, we are quick to turn our backs on one another, to walk away, to distance ourselves. And it's important to understand that bearing with one another doesn't mean that you have to suffer in silence. To bear with one another doesn't mean you just have to kind of bite your tongue. You're sitting in your small group and you're sitting next to the guy who's saying some things that are hurtful and disruptive. And you say, "Ah, I'm just bearing with Steve. I'm not going to say anything. No, to, to bear with somebody is to engage them lovingly. I can hear the words of a mentor of mine as he has often said, what you allow, you teach. Meaning that what you allow to happen in many ways, you are teaching that it's acceptable behavior. Not only that, you may be teaching that it's effective. To bear with one another doesn't mean we have to suffer in silences when we engage one another. It's to build each other up, not tear each other down. And this is one of the safety nets of the church, that if we're not living out, if we don't have our uniform on at all times, that we can bear with one another in a way that builds us up. Part of bearing with one another is also forgiving one another. And I want to camp out here for a little bit, if that's okay. Uh, Forgiveness is undoubtedly one of the hardest virtues um, there is to live out. One of the most challenging things to do, and we see in Scripture one of the illustrations that helps define and describe forgiveness is to pardon someone or to cancel a debt. And as we know, if I cancel a debt from somebody, that comes still at a cost to someone else. Just because one person's been forgiven doesn't mean that there's still not a cost for someone else to bear. And we know this to be true ourselves. For those who have put our faith in Jesus, we understand that there is an incredible cost to forgiveness. Paul, speaking just 20 verses prior to our text today, says this in Colossians two eleven. Through 14. He says, In him you also were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of flesh by the circumcision of Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead. And you, who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses. By canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands, he set aside, knelling it to the cross. There is an incredible cost that comes with forgiveness, one that we know well. And this is paramount to the point Paul is making that as people who are followers of Jesus, we should understand the cost of forgiveness. We should be forever mindful of all that we've been forgiven and out of that, also forgiving one another aware of what we've been guilty of, and because God's forgiven me so much, who am I to hold something against someone else? The Lord has canceled my debt. Now I must, you and I, we must do the same. And let's not forget the context of this passage. Paul is speaking to the church. He understands that there needs to be forgiveness within the church. Yes, this is also helpful outside of the church, no doubt about it, but there's a reason he's speaking to the church. Paul understands that communities like this have their challenges from time to time. Well, there's a need for forgiveness. If Christ's point is anything like Forest Hill Church, the church I pastor, I have to imagine there are at least a few of you who are here because you were deeply and legitimately hurt at a former church. If Christ's point (laughs) is anything like the church I'm a part of, there are a few you have to imagine who have found healing in this place. You were deeply and legitimately hurt at a former church. It's important that you understand That if you are here long enough, it's going to happen here too. And I don't say that as a reflection of the people of Christ's point. I've had a beautiful time since being here. I know a few of you. That's not a reflection of this church. It's a reflection of the church. Full of flawed people. I am chief among them. And flawed people make flawed decisions that often hurt one another. If you are here long enough, you're going to be hurt here too. Not only that, if you are here long enough, you are likely to be the cause of someone else's hurt. And I don't say that this morning to discourage us. I actually say to encourage us. That our challenges no longer have to be the end of a relationship. That as we bear with one another and forgive one another, we actually can grow closer together. Our hearts can be knit together. There's something about exchanging grace and mercy that has a way of deepening a relationship. I think about Joseph in the Old Testament. You all are familiar with the story, uh, the annoying little brother, his brothers decide to get rid of him. Uh, they're thinking they're going to kill him. Eventually, they sell him off, and he has this rise, fall, and rise again that's extraordinary, for lack of a better word. He has this heartbreaking experience being sold into slavery by his brothers, and as he does so, he actually rises back to a prominent position. Now his brothers are coming because there's a famine in their land, and they come before him, don't recognize him. And Joseph eventually reveals himself. And what we see is a forgiveness and a love that strengthens their relationship. Towards the end of Genesis, around chapter 45, it talks often about how he called them near to him, how he hugged on them, how he wept upon them. Then he gave them the best of the land. Their relationship was better than it ever was before. Forgiveness has a way of strengthening our relationships and deepening them. It's also important to understand this as well. To forgive somebody does not mean that the relationship is going to go back to its previous status. If if we're going to stick with the illustration of forgiving a debt, if I give someone a loan, they're unable to pay it back, I forgive the loan. Wisdom may say to not loan the money again. But me canceling that debt, I'm not holding that against you, is God honoring and what we've been called to do. But there are times that after we forgive one another, the relationship may change. And I only say that because this passage has been used to manipulate people to stay in abusive situations, hey, you must forgive, you must forgive, you must go back to something. To forgive a debt, to cancel a debt is God honoring, but at times it does change a relationship. for a moment, if not longer. Again, this context Paul speaks of is within the church, and it's an experience that I too know as well. Um, as James shared, I uh, pastor a church in East Charlotte, um, and a few years ago, um, one of a former elder in our church, um, moved away, no longer part of our church, uh, elder in our church um, said something that hurt me deeply. Uh, this elder made a black joke about me in front of a peer, and word got back to me um, And I often, whenever I tell this story, I say it's one of the worst things I've ever heard. It is the worst thing I've ever heard about me. It has wrecked me. I've literally done counseling because of it. And this is something that happened years ago. And it is not an understatement to say that I've thought about this thing over a hundred times. And in it one day, the Lord reminded me that I need to forgive this elder. And that has been hard. I've had to repent in my heart for what I've thought about this person. But God's reminded me of all that he has forgiven me. And here's what I've learned about forgiveness, that forgiveness is rarely a one time decision. It's often a commitment. That whenever I'm triggered by that thing, by that thought that began because of all that God's forgiving me, I choose and choosing to forgive you. That whenever I hear the name or cross paths with somebody, I'm reminded all that God has forgiven me. I too choose to forgive you. The Lord's come to show me that forgiveness is rarely a one-time decision. It is a commitment. This is what Paul is saying for the people of the church. Christ's point before moving on i just want to ask a few rhetorical questions who do you need to forgive and yes this is this forgiveness plays well outside of the church but paul was talking to the church who do you need to forgive and who do you need to ask for forgiveness Paul wraps up this passage with verse 14. He says, And above all these put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. When it comes to this uniform of ours that we are to put on love, it binds everything together. And as I think about this, the imagery that comes to mind is a belt, right? Right? In the same way, the belt kind of binds all items together. What Paul is saying that above all else, that the most valuable item in our spiritual closet is love. As I think about this, and I think about this belt, I am reminded of an embarrassing moment in men's fashion. Uh, I'm probably breaking guy code here. I apologize. Um, but it was maybe 10 or so years ago, I noticed this trend, where men in hopes of impressing women, single men in hopes of impressing women, were going out and spending hundreds of dollars on designer belts. Hundreds of dollars on Gucci belts and Louis Vuitton belts, and they weren't buying the whole outfit, but they were just buying the belt. And because they had the belt, they would go out of their way to make sure that women saw their belt, right? And in hopes to impress them. And, like, I saw guys doing obnoxious things. I saw dudes tucking in their hoodies just to make sure that someone could see their belt, right? Dudes out on the beach, swim trunks on with a Louis Vuitton belt. Just (laughs) disgusting behavior just to make sure someone saw their belt. And they couldn't afford the entire outfit that the, like the, the shirt looked like they bought it from Arby's, right? But they'd have on this Gucci belt. And as silly as all of that is, I actually think that's what Paul's saying in regards to our love. That our love should be can't miss. That if we can't afford everything else, maybe we haven't mastered humility and meekness and patience. That above all else that we should have on and show love to one another. That if you can't afford it all, if nothing else, the most valuable thing is that you and I would be displaying love to one another. Above all of these, put on love, which binds everything together. Love doesn't just bind us together. It binds a church together. It binds a community together. As we consider these three verses this morning, Christ's point, I have another question for you as well. And that's, what do we do with this? What do we do with this Warning that we see that we have an enemy who is not only attacking from afar, but also from within. What do we do with this prescribed uniform that Paul is saying that we are to put on? I think one of the ways we respond to this message this morning is by seeking and forgiving one another. And again, I understand the challenge of this And if you're anything like me, as you hear messages like this, people often have a way of coming to mind. Maybe it's someone that you need to forgive or someone that you need to seek for forgiveness. This is potentially a long-standing situation or maybe something fresh in the parking lot today. This may be with somebody who has no idea that you've been upset or hurt about something. But I think one of the ways we respond to God's word is by seeking to forgive and seek forgiveness when necessary. This is one of the ways that we protect what God has given. This is one of the ways that we protect Christ's point. We forgive because we've been forgiven. And that point actually is a point of trouble for many people. This idea of being forgiven, there are many people in the church worldwide who struggle with forgiveness because they don't believe that they are truly forgiven. They don't have a conviction that they've been forgiven, so therefore they don't extend it to others. And there may even be a few of you here today like, hey, this guy, I don't know him. I hear this message, but he doesn't know what I've done. He doesn't know my story. He doesn't know how bad I've messed up what I've done. He doesn't know my sin, and you've got me. That is true, but I know what God's Word says about it. In Hebrews eight twelve, he says this, for I will forgive their wrongdoing and I will never again remember their sins. No, I do not know your story, but I know what God's word says about it. Psalm one hundred three twelve says, as far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. 1 John 1, 9 says that if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. If you have put your faith in Jesus, you have been forgiven for all the things you did before you came to know Jesus and all the things since. If you have put your faith in Jesus, you have been forgiven which then gives us license to wear forgiveness for one another. We can live this out in light of the fact that Scripture says that the Lord's not even remembering it anymore. I think one of the ways we respond to this message is about forgiving one another. This morning I've said a lot in regards to a uniform. Um, But more important than a uniform, I think it's important that we also mention its designer. Uh, If you've yet to put your faith in Jesus, this moment is for you. It's important that you know the one who has designed this uniform in which we wear. His name is Jesus. And the reason that he's qualified to do so is because there was no one more competent when it comes to these materials. There was no one with a more compassionate heart than Jesus, no one more kind, more meek, no one more humble than he who did not use his equality with God to his own advantage. Rather, he humbled himself, taking on the form of a servant, being obedient to death, even death on a cross. There was no one more forgiving No one who can teach us about bearing than the one who bore all sin and no one more loving. Scripture tells us this in John 15, that greater love has no one than this. That somebody laid down his life for his friends. This is who Jesus is. And here's the thing, he has done it specifically for you. This uniform which Paul speaks of, Jesus wore it first. And he wore it with you in mind, and that may feel awkward. Hey, I'm in this space with a bunch of people. I'm speaking to you. Jesus wore this with you in mind, that you might know a forever forgiveness, that you might know a love so deep that he died for you. And access to this, it only requires faith, that you believe that he is who he says he is, that he's done what he has said that he has done. Do you believe? If there's one today who for the first time wants to put their faith in Jesus after the, the message, James and the elders will make themselves available that you can walk into that new relationship today. Doing so today, not only will your wardrobe change, everything will. Jesus first wore this with you in mind. As I close, um. I'm struck by Paul's words in verse 14. He says, Forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. That word must. And as the Lord has developed me in this area, growing me, I'm coming to understand and realize that thanksgiving, uh, that, that forgiveness is less about obedience and actually more about thankfulness. As I reflect on God's compassion and kindness to me, one of the ways that I say thank you to him is by living it out within the church. As I think about his meekness, the fact that I'm in the presence of the God who spoke the world into existence. One of the ways that I can thank him for that is by living meekly with those around me. As I think about the one who bore my sin, one of the ways I can thank him is by bearing others. This is not just about obedience, it's about thankfulness. If I'm honest, when I see someone who's wronged me, I'm not always inspired to give grace, but as I see the Lord, I'm always inspired to give thanks. And one of the ways as a church that we can give thanks as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, is by putting on compassionate hearts, kindness, kindness, Meekness and humility, patience, bearing with one another, forgiving one another, and above all else, putting on love. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for modeling with perfection everything in which we read and see today. Jesus, we thank you for the inspiration in which you gave Paul that we can still to this day hold on to and design our lives around. Jesus, we thank you for giving us the church, the gathering of your people. There aren't many things in this world more beautiful than the church to come together, to be together, but the reality is, God, we are flawed people. We don't deny our humanity. And because of that, just like here, just like any other place in the world, there are often challenges and struggles. Lord, we want to be more like you. And we ask that you would work in our hearts, that we would be people of compassionate hearts, kind, meek, humble, patient, that we will bear with one another, forgiving one another. And God, though Paul uses this illustration of of clothing, it's not just as easy as going into our closet to put these things on. I'm reminded as I see these list of virtues, the crossover between the fruit of the Spirit, meaning that these are things that you are developing within us. And so, Lord, we ask that you would do just that, that you would transform our hearts, that you would transform our closets, That we might reflect just who you are. Lord, we thank you for your word this morning and the ability to sit under it and to hear it and allow you, via the Holy Spirit, to work in our hearts. We thank you for forgiveness that cost you your life. Thank you that you canceled our debt. And out of that thankfulness, we hope to do the same to others for your glory and for the good of your church. We ask this in Jesus name. Amen.